Welcome, everybody, to this special edition of Club Fantasy's No Punt Intended. I am Joshua Hudson. With me today are a few of our consensus rankers here on the website, Austin Amendolia, Joel Worth, and my normal No Punt Intended co-host, Mr. Ryan Weiss himself. We've covered the quarterback rankings. We've covered our running back rankings. Today, we're holding ourselves accountable for our wide receiver rankings. And let me tell you, there were some hits. There were some misses, just like every other show that we've done. Austin has a nice little game set up for us today that uh, should be should be fun. Going back to our uh, initial show when we were making probably bold accusations about stupid things that probably didn't come to fruition. So this ought to be fun. Let's get into it. Welcome in, everybody, to this special edition of No Punt Intended. I'm your host tonight, Austin Amendolia at under, Austin underscore FFL. Screwed at my own Twitter handle. <laughs> Good nice job. Well. Yeah, starting out strong. It's going to be a great night. With me tonight, we have Josh Hudson at the One Hudsonian, founder of Club Fantasy, Ryan Weiss at the Fantasy Five. Five at the Fantasy Five. Not five. Not four. Vibe. Not three. Five. Not six. Five spelled out. Let's just be very specific. Spelled out. F I V E. And the Joel Worth at the Joel Worth on Twitter. I was just thinking about how like incredible it is that Joel actually has his Twitter handle as his own name. Like it's how rare that is in the Twitterverse. Because I got on a long time ago. There you go. Hey, there you go. Beat the crowd. I actually got on, grabbed my handle, and then like didn't do anything on Twitter for literally years. So <laughs> I guess that was pretty. What's funny is if you would have good foresight on my part. If you would have grabbed one of the first accounts where they just got like certain letters, those accounts sell for so much money now because people just want at a letter. It's like crazy. I've seen stories on it. So wow, that is wild. Yeah. I would not pay money for a Twitter 20, handle, but yeah. twenty years, <laughs> twenty years ago, you we could have made some money. <laughs> This is like when people like hold on to wheat pennies. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. Uh, Twitter, Twitter handles, new form of currency. Exactly. Anyways, so we're going to talk wide receiver ranking accountability tonight. Uh, our two of our rankers who could not join us tonight were Steve Lawson at FF by committee and Chris Molina at Chrismo2413. What is incredible about this is somehow we ended up with the same four people who were on our original wide receiver show. So that's going to make our game later really fun. And go. if you've joined these for the past two weeks, there hasn't been a real format. I've just had kind of questions that I've come up with based on what I took away from our rankings. But you're going to need to stick around until like the midpoint of the show because we're going to play a game tonight where we're going to name that ranker. I'm going to have a quote from our original wide receiver ranking show. And my fellow co-hosts are going to guess who said that quote. And then we're going to talk a little bit about it, uh, but it's going to be really fun. And I'm not going to give context either because Ooh. these quotes are so much better when you just like fumble <laughs> into realizing what the context is and who we're talking about. So it's going to be a great time. I'm really excited about it. But first we have one last introduction to make 
and that is introducing our sponsor, Manscaped. Yes, sir. This episode, special episode of No Punt Intended is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for those family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. The Performance Package includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Groin Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. What's so great about these, the blades are waterproof. So it makes cleaning so great. Reduces nicks, cuts, ingrown hairs. For somebody like myself who's very hairy and the hair grows everywhere in every direction, the blades, the trimmers, absolutely fantastic. So join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. Head over to manscaped.com. While you're at checkout, enter in promo code CLUBFANTASY. Save yourself 20% off and get free shipping. Once again, that's go to manscaped.com. Use promo code CLUBFANTASY. Save yourself 20% and get free shipping at manscaped.com. Awesome. Yeah, get that, hit that, hit that link. So we're going to go straight to our consensus wide receiver one rankings coming into the 2022 season. And I am very pumped about the first one where we got wide receiver one justin jefferson exactly right yeah boy we we ranked jefferson justin jefferson number one number two we had cooper cup now i will caveat this with the fact that if you look at a points per game basis cooper cup wide receiver one was still the wide receiver one so if he had played all 17 games who knows he could have repeated it was close between him and jefferson though they were fairly interchangeable on a points per game basis so after jefferson and cup we had Devonte adams at wide receiver three which we nailed on the head. Wide receiver four was Jamar Chase, five, Stefan Diggs, six, Debo Samuel, seven, C.D. Lamb, eight, Mike Evans, which until week 17 looked awful. <laughs> Still didn't get it right. But say, yeah. Week 17 made it look better. And then wide receiver nine, we had Tyreek Hill, followed by D.J. Moore. And wide receiver, uh, wide receiver 10, Deontay Johnson is our wide receiver 11. Oof. Michael Pittman is wide receiver 12. Yeah. So 10, 11, 12. We got some splaining to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this is kind of like the wide receiver position. I feel like the top seven or eight, fairly easy year to year. Once we got to 10, there's a big drop off. So as alluded to, the actual results for the season all in PPR scoring was Justin Jefferson starting out wide receiver one. Tyree Kill finished wide receiver second. Uh, Devontae Adams in third. Stefan Diggs in fourth. CeeDee Lamb fifth. So those five we all had, with the exception of Tyree Kill, four of those five we had in our top five. So I feel pretty good about that. We nailed some of the top receivers. Coming up in wide receiver six was A.J. Brown, who was not in our consensus wide receiver one rankings. That's uh, notable to me. I guess Josh was just not feeling the love for his Philadelphia Eagles back in August. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, that, that's well, it's also kind of true. Probably though. later this show. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, wide receiver seven was Amon Ross St. Brown, another receiver not in our consensus wide receiver one. Devonta Smith, wide receiver eight. Again, outside of our top 12, wide receiver nine, Jalen Waddle, outside of our top 12. <laughs> wide receiver 10 was Jamar Chase. Wide receiver 11 was Christian Kirk. We're yeah. going to talk about him. 
and wide receiver 12 amari cooper that one really surprised me and yes to be fair a lot of that that was in the first part of the season and he kind of tailed off towards the end but i am surprised he finished in the top 12 i want to take one moment to just talk about joel killing it on these rankings because he didn't always he wasn't always high enough on the receiver <laughs> but if you look at the receivers that finished fifth through 12th joel had him ranked higher than any of the rest of us Joel had CD Lamb ranked at wide receiver four. AJ Brown, he actually had him as a consensus as a wide receiver one. Uh, he was highest on St. Brown, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, he got exactly right. Nice. Jamar Chase, he was highest on him. Christian Kirk, he was the one that somewhat believed in him. Still wide receiver 27. So like we're gonna talk about that. But Joel just kind of killed it on your receiver rankings. And Joel, you've talked a lot about just stick to what you know, stick to what you do well. At. I don't want to give you time to a gloat and B talk about <laughs> that process of like, just stick to the things that you know that you're good at. Uh, rankings are temporal. So I'm, I'm not going to gloat. Uh, it was a good, good, good space and time. We're giving so. you a platform, Joel <laughs> basket it. Damn it. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I talked about this on the wide receiver show or on the running back show. Sorry. Um, I, I'm terrible at ranking running backs. I'm pretty good at ranking wide receivers. So that's part of why zero RB works for me because I can, I can, I'm comfortable that I can nail those receivers and I can get the secondary ones. And I'm usually decent at finding the back end running backs. It's the top ones that I struggle with. So go with what, do with what works for you. What I find interesting, Joel, just kind of looking at the top 12 and how you had most of them ranked highly, it really plays very well. And I don't know ADPs off the top of my head anymore, but I can guess just based on what I remember, it really plays very well into this whole zero RB thing that you go into because you were highest on, I'm just going to name the first two names that pop off CD lamb and Jamar chase. Those were guys that you had to take in the second first round somewhere inside of there. So that plays into, let me get a wide receiver early. You were then highest on Jalen Waddle. I mean, I guess he's really and AJ Brown. ADP wise, those would have been the next guys where you would have needed to taken someone there. And so, like in round three, round four, they just kind of fell into your lap because you were already highest on them. And then it just continues down the line to Christian Kirk, Amari Cooper, Amon Ross St. Brown in the fifth round. To where those are the ADPs where they fell, and they almost just fell perfectly for you. Where I, I I'm asking you to go back in time a little bit here. Did you find yourself in these rounds where like in a, in a typical Joel zero RB draft where it was kind of easy for you to make your pick? You're like, Oh, I know I like this wide receiver better than other people. And people just keep letting him fall to me. Did you find yourself to have those five, six wide receivers on a lot of your teams? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the fun thing about it is you've got so many options because you're picking from a pool that, most people are, you know, most people are in a hurry to get their running backs. They want to jump, you know, there's only so many foundation backs. There's only so many guys are going to get so many carries. So everybody wants to jump on those. So when I'm, you know, when I'm zagging, when they're zigging, I've got the whole pool to myself, basically. So, you know, some, somebody's going to take, you know, somebody's going to take Justin Jefferson. Somebody's going to take Cooper cup. Those guys are going to go high. Jamar Chase, no question. Those guys are going to go high. I, I thought Jamar Chase was going a lot lower than he should have. I thought he should have been in the top five and he was kind of going back into the first round. Uh, Yeah, you're exactly right. I, I, you know, I I need to get a quarterback in there. I need to get a tight end in there, but yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm picking from a deep pool. So I'm rarely upset coming out of the first six, seven rounds of a draft. Awesome. 
I love it. So we're going to start off our questions tonight talking about Deontay Johnson because there were a few of us that were pretty high on him and we had him within our consensus wide receiver one rankings at wide receiver 11. And the lowest that any of us had him ranked was wide receiver 19. Steve and Josh were both highest with Steve having him at sixth and Josh at 11th. And Josh, I specifically remember you were very, there was some drama about between you and Faith about Deontay Johnson and the Scott Fishbowl draft. He ended up finishing wide receiver 34. On a points per game basis, he was wide receiver 42. That's Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was wide receiver 43 on a points per game basis. It's almost like he had a weird zero in the middle of his stat line. Not supposed to be there. I wonder what happened there. So, Josh, I'm going to come to you because you were a big Deontay Johnson guy. You thought he was falling too far in drafts, and I guess it seems like he wasn't falling far enough. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, no, I mean... Look, it's easy to to criticize, you know, Deontay Johnson sucked this year, yada, yada. I get it. Dude finished tied for seventh in the league in targets. 86 catches. The yards, the touchdowns definitely were not there. 10.3 yards per reception. Not great by any means. But looking at that offense, Matt Canada would not throw downfield at all. And that really hindered Johnson's ability to – do anything you know so when it comes to process i don't truly feel that my process was that far off because again the targets were there the receptions were there it's just everything else and that's more indicative of the offense itself in my opinion that you know we weren't taking into account you know i was expecting trubisky to play you know two-thirds three-quarters of the season versus the half a season that he ended up playing um you know pick it Obviously, there's a learning curve there. He's got a much better arm, in my opinion. But again, young quarterback starting slow. So, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that offense, if it does evolve, because let's face it, they brought Matt Canada back and there's not a lot to feel comfortable with in, in terms of that. But, you know, we did the same thing last year with Miles Sanders, right? Oh, he scored zero touchdowns. So the guy sucks. So then we're just going to fade him. And then what happened? positive touchdown regression it, it bakes into it so um you know definitely would not expect the wide receiver 34 finish next year from deontay johnson especially when he's very likely to see another 130 40 targets again um you know you just got to hope that the yards per reception ticks up you know closer to you know the 11 12 mark which is really where it should have been this year in my opinion that's my biggest concern with Johnson is the yards. It's not the touchdowns. Touchdowns are a freak thing. Zero touchdowns mm-hmm. on 150 targets is the freakiest of things. What concerns me, Josh, is if you gave him six touchdowns, which he averages about six to seven per season over his first three years before this year. Um, if you gave him six touchdowns, he still only jumps up to the wide receiver 20. And that that's my that's concern. Fair. Is uh, you, you But in reality, to- that's kind of where people were drafting him anyway. Oh, that's fair. But the 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 vol- target volume was, I don't want to say it was elite just because we've seen some fucking insane seasons this year, but it was very good target volume. It's in line so, with what he's done the last few years, which in all honesty is pretty elite in my opinion. Yeah. And so like, it's just, you're absolutely right. Like it's not just the touchdowns we need to improve on Deontay Johnson. It's the yards per catch. But the fact of the matter is this, no matter what it was, he still put up wide receiver three-esque numbers in PPR just based on those targets. And it 
shouldn't get worse next year to where I feel like he's going to end up being a value in drafts next year. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he stats out. One of my biggest issues with the Steelers this year was you're projecting like they threw the ball 600 times when Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the fucking football. So I projected them far too many pass attempts. And so it's just like, it was not a great season to project them because you didn't know what they were going to do and you didn't know how well they were going to do it plain and simple. So. Yeah. I think an interesting thing to me about Deontay Johnson too, is I feel like we consistently get into this argument of like, Oh, but the targets are there. So we should draft him. He tends to have a interesting, like to me, I think his catch rate anecdotally, I feel like is lower than we expected to be this year. I pulled up PFF stats real quick. He was, he had the 35th, best catch rate among uh all wide receivers and that's filtering out people that caught like three passes and whatnot that's in the territory of alan lazard Cortland sutton garrett wilson it's uh lower than drake london and some of that i think is about the quarterback play because like drake london is a good example here where he was he had the 30th best catch rate among receivers he was getting passes from Marcus Mariota most of the season who couldn't get him the damn ball. And so I think part of me wonders too, to your point, Josh, of next year being better. If Kenny Pickett getting more experience in the offense and building that connection with Deontay Johnson over time will help his catch rate go up. And even if he lays into the goose egg for some reason on the touchdowns next year, which I doubt happens that his PPR statistics will go up because more of those targets will actually translate to catches. Yeah. I mean, this was a career low for him. 58.5% catch rate. Um, his lowest before that was the big drop season of 2020, which was 61.1. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you're losing a lot in terms of, um, you know, the quarterback play there, but I mean, he's really, he steadily regressed in his yards per reception since his rookie year where he was at 11 and a half and went to 10 and a half, 10.9 and then 10.3. It's like, they don't even want to use him as a downfield threat in this offense. And I don't get it. Yeah. He ends up like definitely like being like kind of the move the chains target option. Whereas they, why is his name escaping me right now? The rookie they drafted last year. Pickens. 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 Whereas George Pickens is the downfield target. Joel, do you have anything you want to even add then, on? Pickens was only at like 11 something. <laughs> Like he wasn't even, yeah, you know, super high in terms of yards per catch. Actually, I take that back. He was at fifteen point four. Yeah, fifteen four. Okay. Yeah, right. I think generically, I think Johnson gets a bad rap because he's had a bunch of high-profile drops. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had a bunch in that you know that whatever Tuesday night game against Washington during the COVID year. I mean, we all know drops. Drops are a function of volume, right? You get a lot of targets, you're going to have a lot of drops. That's the way it goes. Um, so I don't. My opinion of him hasn't changed. I mean, I was the one who had him at our, our wide receiver 19, and I think that's about where he belongs. So you, like Ryan said, you give him a normal amount of touchdowns, that's probably where he goes. My problem with him is, and even beyond the Matt Canada thing, is I just I hated Kenny Pickett as a prospect. I still don't like him as an NFL player. I obviously don't like Mark or Mitch Trubisky as an NFL player. I think that's a bad offense. And you know, we talked about it with Jonathan Taylor, where his most of his decline, you know, besides the injuries, was a lack of touchdowns. It's because that offense collapsed, and it's the same thing as Pittsburgh. This is just a bad. You can't score touchdowns in an offense that's not scoring touchdowns. I mean, how many how many touchdown passes did they have total? 
12, I think. One, 11 or I mean, 12. Fryer, yeah, Fryermuth had like three. He was down from, he had like six the year, his rookie year. Like Camp or that Connor Hayward, whatever the hell his name, the Hayward kid, the rookie tight end. He yeah, their quarterbacks only threw 11. Yeah. So, I mean, how many, <laughs> there's zero expectation of touchdowns when you're quarterback, when you only have, you know, barely double digits as a team. So I, I would expect they'll get better. I don't, I'm not going to bank on it. I, I think that's probably, you know, mid twenties is probably where he belongs until they do something with that offense. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. Hope that touchdown regression comes back around because we're going to need it. So up next, we're going to talk about Christian Kirk because he was the butt of many of jokes in the preseason, not maybe him in particular, but more so the Jacksonville Jaguars. People gave the Jaguars so much hell for the fact that they signed Christian Kirk to a four-year, $72 million contract. It was just like a running joke. People were like, why why is he? Why are they making this move? He fins up as the wide receiver 12, 11 on the season. So he has a baller season. Now, he was fairly volatile. Like, he was kind of a boomer bust player throughout the season. But he was still a key part of this offense. So I'm going to come to Ryan first to talk about this because I think we were all really low on Christian Kirk. And, in fact... We'll, we're going to get to this later. Josh was the lowest, but I want to start with you, Ryan, because we started with Josh already. So, okay. Ryan, I want you to talk to us about Christian Kirk. Uh, why do why were we down on him going into the season, and what, what are we taking away from this moving forward? So, I think it, it, it was a number of things. I, I remember just looking at Christian Kirk, and I, I think I wrote this about him for my Football Guys blurb or in an article – and thinking what we got out of him in Arizona in 2021 was the best we were going to get out of him. I, I didn't think he was going to be able to step in and be an alpha. I certainly didn't see Zay Jones to a lesser extent, Marvin Jones and to a way bigger extent, Evan Ingram stepping up and being able to take some pressure off of Christian Kirk. So my concern was Christian Kirk as a one wasn't going to be able to go in and put it in elite numbers. I actually made a joke about this before the show, Austin, and you didn't even realize it until I didn't realize it until literally just now. This is process versus what actually happened. I just looked other than touchdowns. I have Christian Kirk almost perfect. I had his targets, his receptions, his yards, his catch rate, like perfect, but I was short three touchdowns. However, he's a top 10 wide receiver, yet in my rankings, he's like the wide receiver 27 or whatever, because I over project wide receivers and don't project um, injuries. And so it's just one of those things where I've been doing a little bit of prep work for next year's projections and the NFL in general's passing game was just like way lower this year than what any of us expected it. But for the teams then that went out and did what they were supposed to did, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to blow everybody's projections away. Because whereas I had the Steelers throwing the ball 70 more times than they actually threw it, I had the Jags kind of where they were supposed to be. And so they did the numbers I thought they would do. They just fell way too far on our rankings. But again, I'm not going to make an excuse. There's no way I was looking at Christian Kirk and being like, that's a top 10 wide receiver that I don't even know that I would have called him a top 20. We didn't expect the quick growth out of Trevor Lawrence. I think we all caught on very quick. I remember very early on in the season, um, he was still a streaming option. And I was like, 
get Trevor Lawrence right now. When this clicks, it's going to click. And when it clicked, it clicked with Christian Kirk. We, I mean, Kirk scored what five touchdowns in the first like four games or something like that, right? Maybe not quite that many, but but he got on quick and he was, he's the right guy for the job, plain and simple. And if they can get another field stretcher out of Calvin Ridley, I'm all aboard that offense next year. Uh, We, the joke last night was my over projection of the Los Angeles Chargers offense. That is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars next year. I can already tell you like a hundred percent. That's who I'm going to be all in on. So. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be a lot of people. Yeah. Joe, I want to come to you next because this was one of those players you were way higher on uh, than the rest of us on. You had him ranked at wide receiver 27, which was still too low, but you you were more optimistic. So tell us, why did you, you were, I mean, you were ranking Christian Kirk as a flex option going into the season. And I know I wasn't. So what was kind of your uh, hope for Christian Kirk going into the season? I mean, it's really the opposite of the Pittsburgh situation that I expected that offense to be significantly better. You know, the obvious Urban Meyer was a disaster. Doug Peterson's a competent coach. Um, and I, I, honestly, I think one of the biggest things they did is they brought in Brendan Scherf, uh, which I think gave you know, a, a Pro Bowl caliber guard to give Trevor Lawrence a chance. Right. He, he needed yeah. a chance. He needed some confidence. He needed the opportunity to be able to sit back and not get run over every time he went drop back to pass. Uh, but I, I guess the thing, the reason I was too low on him is I didn't see him becoming the entirety of the offense, right? I, Ryan brought up Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, half of his production came in a four-week stretch between weeks 13 and 16. Yeah. I mean, so we, from a fantasy perspective, we thought he had a really good year. He didn't. He was terrible. I mean, he was, he was terrible for 12 weeks. And then, but when the playoffs came, then he was a monster. So I think that taints our, I don't taint our tints, our, our perspective of him a little bit, but yeah, for the, he was Christian Kirk was the offense. He was worth every bit of what they paid him. So yeah, yeah I, I, still was, wonder. I was too low on him, but it, you know, I, the process was right. I think. Yeah. And for drafting zero RB, you got him out of value and it's great turn, turn to you would have been like a fourth or fifth receiver for you probably into a perennial starter. One thing that I think is interesting to me about Christian Kirk, I, part of me wonders if he was undervalued by fantasy managers going into the season, because we have this perception that slot receivers aren't fantasy superstars and Christian Kirk primarily lines up in the slot. And the other thing about people making fun of Jacksonville on this uh, on this deal was the fact that they also signed Zay Jones, who is also a slot receiver. And so it was kind of, it seemed like weird team building at the point. So what do y'all think about that? That we, maybe we shouldn't, uh, discount slot receivers too quickly. Josh, I'm going to come to you on this one. I mean, look, I have zero issue with slot receivers. Honestly, give me fantasy points. I don't give a shit what, where you line up. So (laughs) that's kind of my philosophy, honestly, but, yeah. Uh, traditionally speaking, you know, outside receivers tend to hold value much longer than slot receivers. Um, I, I don't have any sort of research to distinguish that fact, but it just feels natural. So I'm going with it. Sure. Um, but I mean, you look at guys like Cooper Cup who move around in the offense, but, you know, over 50% of the time they're lining up in the slot. Same thing with Tyree Kill when he was in Kansas City. 
he had multiple years over 50% lined up in the slot where he was a top five wide receiver. So, um, you know, you take these dynamic guys that, you know, have the speed to be able to move around in the offense. They can, they can get points there. The difference with Kirk is 80% of the time he's lining up in the slot and that's where he's getting 90% of his production from Uh, where his, his production tended to decrease towards the latter half of the season was because they were getting Evan Ingram more involved. But like where I failed in my process with the Jaguars was looking at the history of Doug Peterson using two tight end sets. Mm, I had way more targets and yards factored into Dan Arnold in this offense than I should have. And I downplayed how much involvement Zay Jones would have lining up on the outside. This was an offense like Doug Peterson said, holy shit, I have wide receivers for the first time ever as a head coach. Let's go, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to throw it to him. So, and and that's really what he did. Like, I mean, I still had Kirk as, as the number one target in this offense. I definitely downplayed the yards per reception uh, by about a yard and a half, uh, which, which definitely cost me some fantasy points there, but. Um, yeah, honestly, what really killed me with the Jags offense was, was just Dan Arnold expecting him to be something in this offense, but no, I mean, look, stop downplaying slot receivers. They're fine, especially in an offense that, you know, is going to target slot receivers. And we've seen it with Doug Peterson go back to the days in Philly with Jordan Matthews. He was nothing outside of Philly. You know why? Because he played in the slot in Philly. He was a tight end. Favors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's a big slot. He's six three running out of the slot. Like it happens. You know, Kirk is just quick enough that he can utilize the speed and, and sit in the zones because corners don't play press in the slot. So you yeah. get you get a quick guy that sits in the slot. He makes one quick move. Boom. He gone. It's partly why I'm very excited about Jalen Hyatt where he comes out in the NFL draft this year. Cause that kid's got four, three speed and he lines up all over the slot. <laughs> I, I can only speak for myself. Um, and maybe my predisposed love, he's not necessarily a, a slot wide receiver, but definitely not a, a more of a possession. My love for Keenan Allen predisposes me to where all I care about are the targets. Yeah. I think what knocked Kirk for me was four, three, four years of disappointment. And then he did have the one moderately decent year um, with Arizona and then, and then took the bag. So for me, I focus so much on a player's history when I'm doing projections and his history, just, there was nothing in his history that suggested this was about to happen, that he was about to be this consistent. So, I mean, kudos to him, but I, I see this continuing. I, the funny thing is I'm going to be interested to see if the average drafter treats him as a one-year wonder because I see this continuing. I'm as I've already stated, I'm all in on this offense. See, I think with with Ridley coming in though, obviously we we know that Zay Jones is going to fall off as a result, especially if we get the Ridley that we should be getting. Um, you know, but Kirk to me, he's going to take a step back in that offense. I think he's still going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 guy. I think you're looking at more like top 18. In that instance, yeah. because probably you like don't make that trade to go get Calvin Ridley unless you're going to feature him. You know what I mean? Probably like 147 <laughs> targets and no touchdowns. That's my point. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but Austin, yeah, I do want to correct you really quick. Zay Jones has never been a slot guy. He's always been an outside threat. Yeah, I was gonna say I was a little thrown off. He's never that. played he's... more than 50 per- more than 
uh, 48.6% out of the slot. And that was in 28. Oh, it's because didn't they have like LaVisca Chenault on the offense when yes. they made the steal too? That was, yeah. that was let's the- never forget the <laughs> fantasy universe's love with LaVisca fucking Chenault. I know. Hey, it was this episode where we announced that he, or the news broke that he was cut or traded or whatever he was. Oh my uh, goodness. That's hilarious. Incredible. Uh, I wanted to close this segment by just running through really quickly wide receivers that got paid this year because I think Christian Kurt is a good example of when teams pay players, we should pay attention as fantasy managers. Devontae Adams, five-year, $140 million. Tyreek Kill, four-year, $120 million. A.J. Brown, four-year, $100 million. Stephon Diggs, four-year, $96 million. Cooper Cup, four-year, $80 million. Christian Kirk, four-year, seventy-two. DK Metcalf, three year, 72 million. Debo Samuel, three year, 72 million. And Terry McLaurin, three year, 70 million. All of these guys that got paid were featured in their offense. And I think sometimes in fantasy, we like try and outsmart NFL managers. It's like, oh, they took this running back on day three, but I know better. Yeah. We are probably not as smart as the people getting paid millions of dollars to run these teams. So let's take more signals. Yeah, like I said, and it's such a weird counter picture to the running back career year narrative that was also built this year. So, or excuse me, contract year. So, like, every running back who was on a contract year went out and had a really good season. And then with these wide receivers, you're worried they're going to, like, rest on their laurels after they get paid. And they went out there and handled business. So, follow the money. Follow the money. With that, we're going to turn to our wide receiver two rankings, and then we're going to get into our game. So our wide receiver two consensus rankings coming into 2022, we had T. Higgins at 13th, followed by A.J. Brown all the way down in 14th, just not giving him enough love. Keenan Allen at 15th, Mike Williams 16th, Terry McLaurin down in 17th, followed by Jalen Waddle and Cortland Sutton at 19th. <laughs> Because Fucking we believed Broncos. in Russell Wilson. <laughs> and then the next name is just as bad. <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> oh, and, and the next one. <laughs> yeah, it gets real down bad once we get to wide receiver 19. Brandon Cooks was wide receiver 20 for us because Davis Mills, we he, you know, he was the second coming. No, Brandon Cooks is QB proof. Don't ever forget. <laughs> yes. <it. laughs> Same thing with Allen Robinson, right? Yeah. It, oh, we're going to get to him. Darna <laughs> Moody. Darno Mooney was our wide receiver 21. Oh, just don't know where he went. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, number 22. Allen Robinson, wide receiver 23. I took him in flexual misconduct, and I was so excited about it. And Oh, yeah. Man. And then DK Math, Metcalf, rounded out our top 24 wide receivers. Fun fact, uh, Darno Mooney was actually the wide receiver 21 on the Bears this year. so what actually happened is that tyler lockett finished 13th which i feel a little bit decent that i was like hey y'all should not be too low on tyler lockett this year terry mclaurin was 14th brandon Ayuk, my man wide receiver 15 this year dk metcalf finished in 16th followed by mike evans inflated himself to 17th after his week 17 performance Chris Godwin in 18th, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman in wide receiver 20, followed by Jerry Judy, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, and Chris Olave. I just I want to briefly say 
I ranked Chris Olave at wide receiver 60. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Cause he was my favorite receiver of this rookie class. And I just think I was like, no, 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 I'm not getting, I'm not going to over project rookies, but I, that one, that was a big miss by my part. So we're just going to get into our game now. And we're going to name that ranker. And the beautiful thing about this is that nobody knows the quotes that I'm going to pull except for me. The only rule is if you think that you said this quote, don't be the person to say it. Uh, and if it gets too awkward and silent, then I'll, you know, break, break the, break the, Dude, I can't remember what I said yesterday. You think I'm going to remember what I said six months ago? <laughs> I was hoping that you did too many podcasts <laughs> to remember this. <laughs> okay. And like I said, I'm not going to give any context for this because I want everybody to stumble on who we're talking about. So quote number one, the offense is going to be so much better with Baker Mayfield instead of Sam Darnold. And it's not that just that he's got a better quarterback throwing the ball. He's got a better quarterback running the offense. If oh, you watch some of those... Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even need you to finish it. That was Joel. That man was so high on Baker going to Carolina. <laughs> the end of this quote... Guilty as charged. <laughs> if you if you watch some of those games with Sam Darnold last year, it was literally pathetic watching him try to throw. I was nervous it was me. That's true. I mean, that was right. <laughs> Incredible. So DJ Moore with Baker Mayfield as the quarterback. And this was, by the way, we were talking about DJ Moore when we talked about this. Yeah. Talking about why we were so high on DJ Moore this year, because he was, as we just discussed, a consensus wide receiver one for us. When Baker Mayfield was under center, he went, he had 17 catches, 197 yards, and a touchdown. In through, one game? That was weeks one through five. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. He was wide receiver 47. D Baker Mayfield also played in weeks nine and 11. He had some weird injury stuff happen, got benched, whatever. But in nine, weeks nine and 11, when Baker Mayfield played then, DJ Moore was outside of the top 50 in both of those games. When Sam Darnold started playing weeks 12 through 17 mind you this is a similar sample size of games as with baker mayfield under center dj moore went 20 catches 376 yards and four touchdowns which basically looked like a normal season for him and was wide receiver 16. so and he also had that monster game with pj walker the, oh yeah the helmet throw game and it Cannot forget that monster game with BJ Walker. So Baker Mayfield. Not it. Not it. not it. not it. I'm taking the L on that one. I, I already admitted it last week. I was all all kinds of wrong about Baker Mayfield. Oh, well. I mean, more... I wanted to believe in Baker Mayfield. Um, I did too. Like, I, I caught shit from people for continually defending him. The first year when um, they had Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry there, I over-projected the Browns like crazy. I bought into the hype. And since then, I've just been like pegged in my my circle of friends in my home league as like this guy who loves Baker Mayfield. And for a while, I wanted to. I am fully off board now, which means he's probably going to have like a career resurgence. But it's it certainly was not 2022. So more Baker Mayfield content. We're just all about Baker Mayfield tonight. Oh, then this one's me. <laughs> <laughs> Quote number two. When you have a better quality quarterback under center and Baker Mayfield, Moore is 
Moore is not going to be one of those diva type OBJ type receivers that is like, I need the football. You need to throw it to me and to only focus on me. DJ Moore has never been that guy. That sounds like something I would say. That's Josh. Yeah. That is 100% Josh. (laughs) The reason I pulled this quote, DJ Moore, he wasn't a diva type. I agree with that. But there was that weird moment where a reporter asked him, you haven't had any problem getting open for years what's going on here? And DJ Moore, his quote was, man, getting open is getting open. Open is one yard, 0.5 yards. Open is open in this league. If the quarterback doesn't see it the way that way, it's cool. The quarterback he's referencing was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Yep. So I just wanted to come back to that because it was a funny little thing. Maybe, maybe it's not OBJ that was the diva, but Maker Mayfield making OBJ. No, no, no. It was OBJ who was the diva. That's not. (laughs) I'm not saying there weren't Baker Mayfield problems. Odell Beckham's dad will tell you all about those, but it's just not going to (laughs) work. Also, telling the truth does not make you a diva by itself. No. I mean, he was 100% correct. He was. And he actually was being very chill about it. Yeah. It just it was it was fun that it did make a little bit of news and I had to reach a little bit for Josh. Here's my favorite one though. I'm really excited about this one. Quote number three. You didn't get a consistent floor with Patrick Mahomes. You're not getting a consistent oh. floor <laughs> with Tua Tagovailoa. Ellipses. I 100% would take Keenan Allen over Tyreek Hill. The gap between those two receivers and my projections is five fantasy points. <laughs> that's got to be Ryan. <laughs> Considering that's been my going If it's narrative. about Keenan Allen, it's Ryan. <laughs> Even before the Keenan Allen, I notoriously throw Tyreek Hill under the bus for inconsistency. Those are those are two of my go-to ploys as a fantasy analyst. I don't know if I like this show. You're, you're taking away all my content. <laughs> No, that's me. Um, I mean, it's the it's I I own it at face value. I don't trust big play wide receivers. Obviously, I had no idea what that offense was going to become, and you know, maybe we should have listened to uh, Tyreek in the preseason. He said Tua was the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with. So. Man, people, I just like in the. The thing that got it was both Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. People were like, oh, they depend on each other too much. Like they're both gonna like have an off season for it. Da da da. They both go out and they both ball and are top three fantasy players at their position. Let me say though, and obviously hindsight 2020 and all that. What a stupid fucking quote. I would rather have Keenan Allen than Tyreek Hill. I don't even know if I was weighing <laughs> ADP. That's just an awful take. Like so here, I'll give you the context. The context was we, uh, it, this was like right before the draft. So yeah. we had a lot of listener questions that were like, who should I take trade offers? Da, da, da. This was uh, a trade offer question. And <laughs> we had a discussion about if you would rather have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen or oh, Tom, right. Tom Brady and Tyree kill. Oh, and the only one of us who said, Tom Brady and Tyree Kill was Josh. The rest of us were like, oh, yeah, take Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen. Oh, yeah. We I love Justin Herbert. I'm, yeah, I was the worst proponent of the Chargers offense is going to set the world on fire. So, yeah. And we were making fun of Josh at the time about the fact that he was just disagreeing to be contrarian and create intrigue. Well, 
I mean, really, how much better was Herbert this year than Tom Brady? And we know Tom Brady sucks. Yeah, that's yeah, no, yeah, yeah. exactly. No, you killed it. Which one thing awesome. that does bring up real quick though is, and I, if I I don't know what you're going to bring up, Austin, so I don't want to step on your toes here, but I know during during our, our wide receiver preview show, we talked about whether it was realistic to get two wide receivers in the top ten, and we had two teams that did that this year, and we yeah. had. Cincinnati, oh, yeah, we went through, like the whole two history. in the top twenty, so I, I think we answered that pretty definitively. Yeah, we did, and I'm yeah you yeah you actually did you did step on my toes, Joel, because I actually had a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you we had a quote from you where you said, "If there's a situation for two top twelve receivers from the same team, I think it's Miami." I remember that, and you nailed it. Tyree Kill finished wide receiver two. Jalen Waddle finished wide wide receiver nine. I did not expect Philadelphia to be the other one of those two teams. I didn't even expect Philadelphia to be that team. <laughs> or that, Seattle to be as close as they were. <laughs> true. Yeah. yeah, that is fair. They yeah, had two I, in the top 20 just like since he did. So, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, that was my favorite one. Quote four is a quick. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We got to go back to Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill because oh, I'm not done giving Ryan. <laughs> yeah, you can't let Ryan off the hook that easy. <laughs> because I brought some stats. So, <laughs> what? Tyreek Hill outperformed Keenan Allen's season in a game? <laughs> so, Keenan Allen, let's be fair. He missed some time. Still, though, Keenan Allen. The worst hamstring strain ever. Ever. Keenan Allen had two games in the top 10, but he had three outside the top 20. Tyreek Hill had eight top 10 games, so four times as many top 10 performances, and only had four games outside the top 20. So awesome. Tyreek Hill played the full season and only had one more performance outside the top 20 compared to Tyreek to Keenan Allen. Next favorite one. Tyreek Hill on a points per game basis, wide receiver three. At 21.4 points. Keenan Allen. Wide receiver four. (laughs) (laughs) Nice try. Wide receiver 12. 16. He was at 16.4 PPR points. If you count all 18 games. Yeah. And if you don't, because who's playing in week 18? It drops him down to 15.2 points per game. So almost a touchdown difference per game. To wide receiver 14. And if we're more fair and we take out a couple of the games where Keenan Allen was hurt, he's still uh, weeks 11 through 17, he averaged 17.6 points per game. My last one of these, Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill, they both only had one game under 10 fantasy points. However, Keenan Allen had four games under 15 Allen fantasy points. Tyreek Hill only had three under 15 points and he played all 17 games. So that one didn't pan out so well, bud. No, it was a rough call. (laughs) Speaking of rough calls, quote number four. Now, again, this is our wide receiver accountability show, but I was listening to the the show we had and we talked a little bit about listener questions. And so some running backs came up. Here's the quote. Miles Sanders told us not to draft him and I listened. All of us? Did, did, did we have the entire fantasy world on the show? I think that was me. It was Ryan. Okay, oh. I, I'm certain I've said it on multiple shows. So That one was rough. Quote number five. 
I believe in touchdown regression. I think that DJ Moore should score more. There's touchdowns this year. Four touchdowns is embarrassingly low, and I don't believe that happens this year. Probably Joel. That sounds like me a little bit. I was going to say, I think that's right. I don't think I said that. I think I believe that, but I don't think I said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one's me. See, oh. I... <laughs> You tricked us, you son of a bitch. It does sound way more like you. Yeah. See, I was right. I got DJ Moore. All of these of all of these quotes, the positive one, of course, comes from me. Is you. <laughs> That's perfect. You were the only one who were right that entire show. And Joel. Yeah. Well, to also give myself some shit, here's the next quote. I actually like Tyler Johnson. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the guy that got cut. Signed, cut again, cut now again, what, I think. What context do you like him? Was it in Green Bay or me, Tampa Bay? Or Tampa Houston? or Houston. Okay, so here's the deal. When... That would have been what? You probably liked him in Tampa when we were still. I mean, I liked him in Island. Minnesota back when he was a, a gopher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's worse. See, I did like him in Tampa Bay. I thought when he had to play back up, he did fine. The context of this was. We did the show right after he was, I think, cut by Tampa and picked and up by Houston. Up by Houston. Uh, and I was like, hey, if this offense, I mean, he probably doesn't go anywhere because Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks are, you know, the number one and number and two. I think but that was it, right after Mechie had, had been diagnosed yes. and ruled out for the year. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so it was like maybe a late round splash on him. Well, Tyler Johnson was waived by the Texans on October 26th, so cut again. And he's actually back in Tampa Bay now, y'all. He was signed to their practice squad on on October 31st. Yeah, I did not know that. So that was a fun little one. Uh, We already talked about Joel's quote for the top 12 receivers. Our last quote, and again, this one was about some running backs, but I wanted to give give kudos out to people besides me. Uh, We got a listener question that asked... Uh, they were like towards the end of the, their pick was towards the end of the first round and they were asking who they should get on the turn. And they asked us to rank Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara and Deandre Swift of who of the three we would take. And somebody said, I think they're in the right order. Meaning they had Mixon, Kamara and Swift ranked in that order. I know it wasn't me because I had Kamara way higher. That's how I had him ranked, so I'm going to say it was me. It was Ryan, and I was very impressed when I saw this because Joe Mixon finished RB10, Alvin Kamara RB17, and DeAndre Swift RB21. So good on you for ranking those in order. Let's be clear. The hindsight answer, Joe Mixon RB10 or not, is none of them, and go get somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, right. My God, that is not the running backs I wanted at the turn. I know, right? Mixon was so frustrating this year. Yeah, the lesson there had to have been like, you should be taking Travis Kelce. Yeah, 100%. That's always the lesson. Let's be clear. (laughs) 100%. So I am going to kind of ad hoc Get up one more question to get us to the hour mark. Okay. I want to talk about Devonta Smith really quickly yeah. because I want to come back to Josh because Josh had Devonta Smith ranked at wide receiver 41 going into this season. Yep. And he finishes wide receiver eight. 
So did I, Josh. I yeah, just so did Ryan. Looked, yeah. <laughs> so did Ryan. At least uh, I wasn't alone in this. Yeah. No, both of y'all had our rankings. <clears throat> so I guess, Josh, talk to us about where, like why you were so low on Devonta Smith. Because I don't think you were out there by being low on Devonta Smith this year. No, I mean, like, and this is something that we we literally talked about yesterday on our show because the Eagles were one of the teams we were covering. And so they, they threw the ball 536 times. They ran the ball 544 times. Excuse me, 536 times, 544 times. I predicted or projected 532 pass attempts, 544 rush attempts. I had this team pretty damn spot on in terms of what they would do. It was the distribution where I kind of fucked up. So obviously Goddard being hurt, that hurt ultimately his overall targets and what I had. So I still had Brown and Smith as the top dogs, but I gave a lot more targets to the running back position that were not there this year. Um, You know, Jalen Hurts had plenty of time to sit back in the pocket. And I mean, this was arguably the best offensive line that Philly's ever had. And we've had some really good ones over the last 10 years. Um, You know, Gainwell, I think only had like 30 something targets on the year. I had Miles Sanders pretty well projected in terms of targets and receptions. Um, I had Quez Watkins pretty spot on. But again, like the the Dallas Goddard, you know, I think he ended up with like 60, 69 targets or something like that. I had him at 81. Um, so, I mean, if you take what I stupidly gave Gainwell and then the excess from Goddard, that fixes a lot of those issues in terms of, um, you know, the overall target distribution. But um, in, in terms of everything else, I mean – you know, you can't predict can't predict touchdowns. And I was way down on AJ Brown's yards per reception. I mean, I had him at 15. He ended up at like almost 18. So that definitely hurt. But same thing with Smith. I had him at 13.2, and I think he came in at um 12.6. So I was a little high on that front, but I had him at five touchdowns versus he scored seven. And the target percent I had um or catch percent, excuse me. I had him at uh, 63, and I think he ended up well over 70. Almost 70, honestly. like 69.9, yeah. I think. So, yeah, that's yeah. A, that was the point I was going to bring up, Josh, if you didn't, was the jump in catch rate, if you do full projections, is always one of the hardest things to predict and plan for because a jump in catch rate changes a player's prediction so much. A 7% jump in catch rate for a high-volume guy like Devonta Smith that's 10 catches you were wrong on. And then if you're projecting that 13 yards of reception, now you're wrong on 130 yards. You're probably not going to miss his touchdowns based on a catch rate, but you just missed him by 23 points on him simply catching more balls than what you thought he was going to catch. Or when a player down go, goes down, vice versa, where you give them way too many fucking points and they just make you look amazing. So, yeah, I mean, know. I had him at 180 fantasy points. He ended up scoring 254, so... Yeah. yeah. I also think it is what it is. You, you've made a good point in there that I actually want to come back to as well of Jalen Hurts having so much time behind in the pocket to be able to distribute the ball. And it's reminded me of our conversation two weeks ago about quarterbacks, where we talked about quarterbacks who had the most pressures and how it impacted their fantasy performance. And that also translates to the receivers of those quarterbacks. So 
I just pulled those stats back up and Justin Herbert was number one in pressures. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both had worse years than typically would. Davis Mills was had the seventh most pressures. We had Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver too. That didn't happen. Russell Wilson was eighth. Cortland Sutton was a wide receiver one for us. He's way he was way down. Justin Fields was ninth in, in pressures. We had Darnell Mooney in a, as a wide receiver too. Didn't happen. So I said this two weeks ago, and I kind I want to reemphasize it is we need to start paying more attention to offensive line, the quality of the offensive line, and what that is going to insinuate for the pass catchers in that offense. They didn't need to pass. Philadelphia did not need to pass the ball off to Kenneth Gainwell or Miles Sanders this year. They just didn't, and it, it killed. Well, and it. and historically, too, quarterbacks that utilize their legs, yes, the way that Jalen Hurts that's does, their dump off. They do not, yeah, they do not dump the ball off because in their minds, well, I can get more with my legs. Yep. Yep. And nine, that's nine been Lamar times out Jackson's of ten. problem in in Baltimore for years now. And nine times out of 10, they scramble into a wide receiver, their tight end being open. It's not their yeah. running back. Their running back ends up having to block for them. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. Awesome. But this has been really fun, y'all. I really loved bringing it We actually have forward. a listener question before you outro Ooh. us, and it happens to be about wide receivers. So in oh, a rebuild, yeah. would we trade Calvin Ridley for Rashad Bateman? Are you trading away Calvin Ridley? I guess just pick which side you would rather have in this situation. I want Kevin Ridley. I want the Ridley side. I, I feel like this is so skewed for rebuild because Bateman is so much younger than Ridley. But like you're basically True. you're you're Ridley's going 40. both of these guys could potentially be the wide receiver two in their offense, right? Like Andrews being the one in in Baltimore with with Bateman the two. Ridley could still potentially be behind Kirk, but we don't quite know yet. Like I get the idea of going younger here, but Ridley would get Bateman. Like I would much rather have the wide receiver two in a higher volume passing offense than I would in an offense. That's only going to throw 520 times at best. I think the simplest thing for me in this trade, I'm not overly sold on either one. Obviously I've already said it multiple times, way too high on the Jacksonville offense. I'd want to pick back if you could get him to throw in a two. If you're yep. in a rebuild, um, a two this year would be great. A two next year would be fine. Get them to throw in a two in this trade, and and then I'm good to go with it. So, I'll be the contrarian voice on Ridley. I was gonna say I figured you would be. I saw you up biting your lip there for a second. <laughs> By the time he gets on the field next year, it's gonna be almost two years since he played NFL football. And he never had, this is a guy, I mean, he's had production, but he was never an elite. He never had the elite athletic profile. So I really worry about him coming back from that layoff. And I, he's not going to be, he's not going to be the alpha in that offense where in this case, I agree with Ryan. I would, I would rather trade that. I would rather trade Ridley and try and get a a pick for it uh, because I think the pick would be more valuable than Bateman, but I don't think Ridley's ever going to be an alpha in an offense where I, I think Bateman has that in, especially in Baltimore. We don't know what that offense is going to look like, right? They're going to have a new coordinator. Yeah, they haven't hired a, a coordinator. They yet. may or may not have Lamar. Uh, so I, I, I am down on Ridley just because of the layoff and the fact that he was, if, you know, if it was Tyreek Hill coming back, I wouldn't worry about it. But I, Ridley was never an elite athlete. So I, I'm very nervous about him coming back next year after such a long layoff. So if he ever does, 
And and Josh had a better nail on the head. Um, I'm notoriously a redraft player. I just went and looked at the ages. Rashad Bateman's 23 years old. <laughs> Ridley uh, turned 28 in December. As someone who has Bateman on a dynasty team, I would not trade Bateman straight up for Ridley. Um, so it's interesting that you're getting that on the other end. So I think Bateman is probably enough, but my advice is always counter and ask for a pick. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like it straight up. I think if you're gonna make this trade, I would get a try and get a pick back as well because <clears throat> I don't know. I may be biased because I'm like I love Calvin Ridley, but also just like it, it doesn't to me it doesn't feel even too because also the thing also I guess you need to look at what the other team's roster looks like. Are they about to compete this year? Well, that's to say you need to be trading him to a competitor because it, you you fully said here you're in a rebuild. And this is where I'm on Joel's side. Now, Joel has fully convinced me. I'm, I'm on the other side of this trade now. Just give me <laughs> um, where if you're rebuilding, you're not playing certainly for 2023 and you're hoping for 2024. That's kind of how I would look at it. You're talking about a 30 year old Calvin Ridley when you're competing, and we don't right. just as much as we don't know what Baltimore's offense is going to look like in 2023. We have no idea what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to look like when Calvin Ridley is 30 years old, coming back after his first season having not played for two years. So I'm That's on fair. the game side now. I'm just going to defer to everyone else on this because I'm too emotionally tied to this to not be like, but Calvin Ridley, y'all, because the Atlanta Falcons fan in me is like, I need something to pull for. And yeah, so I'm pulling for Calvin Ridley to go get his ring next year because anybody that leaves Atlanta, I'm like, go get your ring elsewhere elsewhere because you deserve it for all of what you've had to go through for the past however many years. But also there's no I mean there's no guarantee yeah. that he gets reinstated. I mean it's uh, uh, I've true. heard people it, it's possible he you know it's possible he just says, you know, I don't need this. I'm just going to keep gambling, whatever. It's it's no guarantee. Yeah, that's fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Austin and Josh answer this one because Joel and I have Joel won me over. I'm on the side of Bateman straight is fair. So if you could get a three, I think Joel and I would yeah. hop on this. So I'll let Josh and Austin answer this one. Is that enough, Austin? I guess Austin's the one who's most worried, but Josh is shaking his head too. I mean, uh, picks are always better, but it's like. I don't know. I think for me, I also am similar to Ryan that I don't value picks as much as I other people do. Like I value picks as much as I can utilize them to get other players and think about what you're going to offer someone, like what you're going to try and get with that third round pick. It's probably yeah. Not third much. third round picks are a crapshoot. They're they're essentially used in situations. Oh, we lost Josh. Like this. They're used oh, to attach to a deal to get. Yep. A, a, another player so yep. that's what like i'm not that's what michael like i don't love this but i don't hate it our buddy our buddy michael lou josh that's what he said you want to get those thirds to throw them in on deals so i mean yeah exactly so i mean that, that like i'm fine with it i guess if you if you prefer bateman because i mean in all honesty like i said they're they're essentially the same player uh just outside of the fact that really has the opportunity to be in a better offense if he gets reinstated um, but I, I would try for a second personally, but yeah, I would too. And the last thing I'll say about this, even is, if it's a late second, I'd much rather prefer that. Yeah. The thing, the other hang up for me is 
I don't feel like we've seen it yet from Rashad Bateman. And so that makes me nervous if you're just getting Bateman. I agree. I brought that up when we covered Baltimore on our Wednesday show is Bateman just didn't feel like it when he was playing. But I mean, he's also like, it felt like when he and Devin Duvernay were on the field, Devin Duvernay was more exciting to me than Bateman. That's just me. I'm not. Bateman's super, not Bateman, see, the thing is, Bateman's not a downfield threat. He's not going to be the guy that has, you know, 13 and a half, 14, 15 yards per reception that, you know, takes the top off a of defense. He's not that guy. He's a, I'm going to work in the, the five to 15 range and move the sticks. Like but that's the, problem that's with the that, kind of player that he is. Yeah. And I think the problem with that is those on Baltimore. Andrews like, is the same type of player. As is Isaiah likely. Yeah. 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 So, and I think that's really what hinders Bateman in this offense outside of the fact that they just don't throw the football in this offense. But again, maybe that changes. I don't know. All the the rumors and stuff that I've heard is that Harbaugh still wants to focus on the run game. Like he, he doesn't want to open up the offense and, and throw downfield. So, yeah. you know, that's not going to help Bateman any. I love the talent. I do. But situation still matters at the end of the day. Well said. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up our show tonight. I'm going to turn it over to Josh to give a few announcements of where you can catch more content like this in the coming weeks. There you go. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll run through this really quick. Once again, go to manscaped.com, use promo code Club Fantasy, uh, save yourself 20% and get free shipping. They've got all kinds of goodies. They just released a new beard trimmer as well. Indeed. So, uh, Ryan, I'm not going to let you say your your stuff from last time. I wasn't going to do that again. <laughs> But it, the trimmers work downstairs. They'll work upstairs too. I promise you. So manscaped.com use promo code club fantasy, save 20% and get free shipping. Um, we had our, uh, our week three of our look back series, uh, yesterday. So feel free to head over to your favorite podcasting network on Apple, Google, Spotify, even on YouTube as well. You can uh, play that back. Uh, we covered the Chargers, the Saints, the Eagles, the Cowboys among teams. Um, next week, we'll have week four of our look back series, uh, which will cover the basically the best team, the, the, the eight best teams of last year. Um, and then one week from today, we'll have our tight end accountability shows. And then on Monday morning will be the what's third to last, second to last, I guess. Second to last. Uh, Monday anxiety. Yeah. I will be reacting to the conference championship game and you'll either have me um, in a pool of sadness or <laughs> ecstatic because the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. One or the other. There, There is no in between, folks. I promise you. Um, but Ryan and I will be uh, reacting to the conference championship games and latest coaching news. And a few of those coaching positions were filled today. So we'll uh, definitely touch on that a little bit. Uh, we've got some new articles up on the website. Uh, we mentioned this last week. Uh, we're we're doing a uh, how to fix series, basically looking at some of the teams and trying to fix their offenses to make them better for fantasy because that's what we care about are fantasy points, right? Um, I wrote an article on fixing the Chicago Bears, the Houston Texans. One of our consensus rankers and contributors, Steve Lawson, touched on the Indianapolis Colts. Um, we've got a couple other articles on the way. I know Austin, Joel, you guys have, have uh, mentioned that you want to write a couple as well. So those will be dropping, uh, probably, you know, intermittently heading into free agency. 
um austin your uh the a-list dfs cash game article probably drop in here in the next couple days and joel's blurred lines drop in the next couple days as well um and then uh who's your caddy um that's our golf show with uh kelly singh kelly and phoenix on twitter um she's usually every tuesday night at 9 30 eastern i know they went a little early uh this week because the uh because cbs moved up the tournament but um they, she's been hitting home runs on her dfs picks guys so if you're into golf you like playing dfs even if you don't like golf play dfs she's gonna give you all the picks and you're gonna make some money just saying uh, and then her story in the making that will be returning on the 7th of February. Britt will have special guest stepmom Lauren, Lauren Carpenter, uh, who writes with just about everybody these days. FTN, NBC Sports Edge, Fantasy Pros, Football Guys, you name it. You can find her there, I promise you. And Lauren is an absolute gem of a human being, lover to death. It's been a been a really good friend of mine for a few years. And she used to write with Ryan at the at uh, Fantasy Footballer. So, um lot to learn about lauren she's so much fun and uh that should be a really good episode indeed awesome well we will be back in one week to talk about my favorite position the tight end spot lots of sarcasm in that yeah everybody's yeah. my <laughs> favorite player maybe but I was say, no. it tends to work out for everybody in our group yeah and by that i mean because we go travis kelsey or bust yeah, exactly <laughs> there you go but for Josh Hudson at the One Hudsonian, Ryan Weiss at the Fantasy Five, and Joel Worth at the Joel Worth. I'm Austin Amadolia at Austin underscore FFL. Thanks for joining us tonight. And remember, defense wins championships, offense wins fantasy football. Bye, y'all. Have a good night.